welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. Each episode will have a different theme, and we'll talk about things that help to bring that theme to real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the heart or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. I thought about calling this episode Breaking the Seal, but when I googled that to make sure it wasn't like a porn reference or anything, sure enough, in the Urban Dictionary, Breaking the Seal is the definition of going to pee after you've had a lot of alcohol, and then it feels like you have to pee again every five minutes after that for the rest of the night. Apparently, they named this specific situation Breaking the Seal. (laughs) And I'd never heard of this, and so I asked Matt, and he had heard of it. And so I decided to name the episode To Generate Will Help, because I didn't want you to think it was about alcohol or peeing or anything like that. And I loved what I was reading about generate, the word generate. And it actually means to give rise to, or to cause to happen, to compel, to induce, And there is something about breaking the seal in order to generate this kind of movement that also I think is important here in my own definition of breaking the seal. And this all started, I got a text last week from a friend asking me to record an episode about motivation and sweat. She wanted me to talk about sweat and how to keep a regular exercise routine when life gets in the way. And I know this is a crucial topic for so many people, and I I do have some ways to support you and to create ritual and even joy, I think, around this. But I decided not to limit today's episode to just exercise motivation, but to pan out a little and create a helpful palette of solutions for motivation to set up your days really well, regardless of what it is that you'd like to accomplish, but haven't really been able to recently or currently. And I started scratching around a little bit, talking to a few of my friends who I know are pretty steady and rock solid with this. And I found out something interesting. Some of them said Their roadblocks were lethargy and avoidance. And others said that their roadblocks were busyness and overwhelm. But interestingly enough, the solutions that they reported to me were nearly always the same or really very similar, despite what was keeping them from their goal markers. I definitely fall into the category of my roadblocks being busyness and overwhelm. And that's what, if anything, keeps me from exercise, from creative projects, from passions and practices that I want to install. But whatever is blocking you or slowing you down, that part doesn't even really matter because the antidote is relatively the same. The first thing and the hardest thing is to begin. 
Don't wait until it's Monday. Don't wait until it's the first of the month. Don't wait until the cookie package is empty. Don't wait until the holidays are over or your birthday benchmark is passed. Don't wait until your partner is into it. That's really big. Or until you have your house clean or until the car's washed or your supper's cooked or whatever is kind of stacking up in front of you as far as excuses. I want you to consider starting in the middle of all of it today. So that's kind of the first hurdle. And the second one, the second tip, beyond just the simplicity of beginning, is the importance of creating a container. And this, to me, is probably the most life-changing and the one thing that has reigned true to me in all of my years of discipline and ritual. And it's, one, it, it's the one thing that actually generates, that gives rise to results. And I'm talking about, in terms of container, I'm actually talking about timings, like a stopwatch, very specific. Where this began for me many years ago was handstand timings. And when I'm in real fighting shape, I do four one-minute timings daily. One handstand, one forearm stand, one handstand, one forearm stand. And I am not by any means suggesting that you do this in particular, but what I want you to glean from it is the timing piece. When you have a bite-sized set or a small landmark, a piece of something to get through, like a minute of something, it is way more effective than just feeling your way through a workout or intuiting your body's temperament. Now, please don't, I don't want you to hear this wrong. I'm a huge champion, as you know, if you've been listening, of intuitive listening, of attending to your body's signals and adjusting your routines accordingly and seasonally. This is always a given for me and intuitive practices definitely support me. And especially in terms of combating lethargy and overwhelm, clocking yourself and holding yourself to that clock, regardless of how you are feeling daily, is also essential. Then, only then, the gushy, creative, intuitive practice can still be practiced and present within the borders of the time allotted. So let me give you a current example of one of my favorite practices right now. Every day, right now, I dance for five minutes. I search for a five-minute song. It's different every day, and I dance. And depending on the song, sometimes my dance is gestural and rhythmic and small, and sometimes it's big and sweeping, and sometimes it's low to the ground. And sometimes I move fast, sometimes I move slow, or often it changes pace within that five-minute timing. And I'm always sweating by the end of the five minutes. And my goal is to move my blood, to get my heart pumping, and to move my body and my limbs in planes that I don't access usually with the linear practice of yoga and the leg-focused work of my stationary bike. So it's unique in that way that it gets my body sort of twisting and moving in these multiple planes. And this five-minute practice 
allows me to twist through my trunk and get my ribs and my breath to open up, my neck to loosen. And my body is forced to react spontaneously to this kind of movement. And I try to throw myself off balance and off kilter too, so that I am challenging my distribution of weight. And it feels really good. It feels fun and it feels freeing. And the rules that are in place in my head around this are, A, I don't worry about how it looks at all. And B, I can do it with both or one of my kids in the room with me. And it takes about five minutes for my tea kettle to boil, give or take. So I can make tea while I'm doing it. And I can, without a doubt, in the busiest days that I know, make time for this practice. If nothing else, I can do this. And so I sweat every day, regardless. And because I've carved out such a habit around this, and the results have been so tremendous, endorphins, sweat, mobility, joy, better mental health, my kids see me move and dance, it's actually now difficult for me to skip it. My inertia is now snowballing towards me continuing to do it. And that, remarkably, is what happens. After a while, with these kind of timings, little bite-sized timings in place, it becomes hard for you not to do it. I think one of the key stars is that the original container or construct must be doable. It must be reasonable, something bite-sized. Because if you set it up that you have to pull off an entire hour of something every day and your life is already chock full, then you will probably fail at that. And then you step into the inertia of all or nothing, which for many of us just usually means nothing. And then there you are, in bed with our trusty friend, Overwhelm, once again. My husband, who is incredibly disciplined in his music practices, has several bite-sized timings he does every day to keep his fingers agile and sharp. And he's mainly a banjo player, but he also plays guitar and a little bit of mandolin. He's sort of one of those people that can just pick up an instrument and make make it sound good and play it regardless if he's worked with it very much. But he does at least 10 minutes of picking in the mornings while the kids are kind of rolling around on the floor in their pajamas and I'm making coffee and smoothies in the kitchen. And he sets the timer and he checks it off. And Otis, our four-year-old, loves all things rock and roll. And currently, Otis is really excited about the song Thunderstruck by ACDC. And if you know it, you can hear the intricate guitar now in your head. It builds and it builds and it gets really fast, the same notes over and over again. Well, in order to surprise Otis, Matt is learning it on guitar right now. And I can hear him every night in the basement practicing it over and over again. And each night he gets faster and faster and he still has a ways to go. And he practices Thunderstruck every night for five minutes only and then he moves on to other music. And, and that is what is remarkable about timings, is they show you your progress if you stay true to the timing. They make a mark, and each day it gets easier and you get stronger. 
And whether it's music or dance or yoga or meditation or something else entirely. And even if Matt doesn't feel like doing it, he does it. Even if he's got a lot to do that day, 10 minutes. Here's another thing that really helps. And this is something that my Southern roots did not help me with too much. I used to get really stuck with my desired rituals and practices by needing to make sure that I did them alone and I didn't bother anybody in order to keep them in place. So in other words, if somebody was visiting me or staying in my house, I would put off all my routines, the ones that kept me healthy and balanced, like exercise and meditation and yoga and walking and even like food prep and alone time. And I would throw them in the trash until after the the visit was over or the holiday was over or whatever. So I would essentially stop taking care of myself for special occasions because I didn't want to put anybody out. I didn't want to bother anybody or seem inhospitable. And a few years ago, I really examined this behavior. I would get pretty off track and unbalanced if we would have out-of-town company stay with us. And I would abandon my practice and my self-care. And of course, the, the people that visited me never expected me to do that, to leave it behind. But it was almost like just a hospitality thing. Like I needed to be ready to sit there and stare at them and be ready to serve my company at a moment's notice. But truly, I have gotten more generous with myself about this. And I stay for the most part on track with my exercise rituals, with my meditation and things like that, even when the holidays are in full swing or even when we have company. And if I do abandon these things, it's a conscious choice and not a surrender or an obligation to do so for fear that I'll seem inhospitable. Five a.m. That was my magic writing time for a couple of years. That was before Coretta was with us, and it was a time when Otis was sleeping pretty much like clockwork until 6.30 in the morning. And it was a window in time that was just magnificent. And I had to be very strategic about it. I had learned that mornings were when my brain was fresh and worthy of flow, and I harnessed it. At night, I was pretty much made of mush, and I could hardly hold my head up. So I I went to sleep robotically by nine, come hell or high water. Because nothing at night at that time past nine o'clock trumped my pristine hour and a half pre-dawn before anyone was awake. It was the most fertile space in all of time for me. And I would set the alarm for 4.50 so that I could have fresh coffee and cream on my desk, computer open, by 5 o'clock sharp. And I wrote and wrote and wrote during that time most of the time, most mornings. And some mornings, I stared out the window with my steaming coffee, just kind of searching for the words that wouldn't come. But even on those mornings... I didn't feel unproductive because I was still deeply in the practice of being at that desk and showing up in case the the ideas were flowing. And that hour and a half is all I would get most days to myself. 
but I had become efficient and ravenous for that. And, and I gathered a lot of material during those early mornings. Now, there's a devil's advocate to this. And I've had some people push back and kind of argue with me about this. And that's that some people feel like their creativity needs more open land to roam. And that giving it a container of an hour or five minutes like my dance or five minutes like Matt's Thunderstruck feels too restrictive. And, and I will give a mild yes to that, that that's true. But if you don't contain it first, then the space is too wide open and many people just don't do anything at all. So if you get into a regular rhythm of something manageable and then that manageable thing, that little container goes well, like you're doing it daily, you are sweating, you are writing, you are meditating or you are playing the piano or whatever it is that you hope to do, if it goes well, then you will naturally begin to extend that time or On some days, you'll stretch it out or you'll do it twice or you'll linger there longer. I promise you, you will. I promise this. But I believe that you have to set the timer first until it's a thing that you crave instead of a thing that you dread. When the field is too expansive, you will always choose to do something else. You will always see the dishes piled up or you'll see the cookies or you will turn on the TV. So make your list and check them off. I will tell you mine right now. I'll tell you my list. And it's not the same now as it was six months ago because I think variation is helpful and keeps us strong and balanced. These are timings and rituals for the most part that I'm completely regular about right now. I try hard to do them every day. And what I found is that almost every week I do them six days a week. So my day off is not usually planned. It's just a day that I couldn't pull it off. Therefore, it gives me rest by default. And that feels good to me instead of planning a day off because there's usually a day that it slips through the cracks. Okay, the first one is daily yoga. Every day, 10 minutes. I set the timer And I do the poses that feel relevant and helpful. So within that 10 minutes, I'm usually very creative. And I do what feels good and intuitive to my body. And some days it's rigorous. And some days it's restorative. Three days a week, I practice yoga for much longer. Closer to an hour or even beyond. A deeper practice with more structure and planning. But interestingly enough... The daily 10 minutes is unmistakably what has kept the regularity of my practice alive. I meditate for 15 minutes in a cross-legged seat daily. And then at the close of my day, I put my legs up the wall of my bed for five minutes to dissolve the day. And this is always the closer And I already told you about my private five-minute dance party every day. And a funny byproduct of that um, that I got tickled about recently is Matt said to me the other day, Coretta Bear just twists a lot when she dances along to a song. And at first it didn't occur to me, but then I started watching her, that she's totally copying my torso twists that I do in my little dance parties. Um, 
which I do to get stronger and more mobile in my core center. So it, it was just funny to realize that my little baby bear was watching me. Other rituals. I try to do a spin ride three to four times per week for 30 minutes. And those are the ones that are pretty solidly in place right now. And of course, depending on your life and structure and needs and body and hopes and dreams, yours will look wildly different from mine, probably. So stay patient and true for what is good for you. And then, and then you can let it build. It, and, and you'll notice that it will ebb and flow and change over time. And, and I've noticed that mine, my timings get stale after a while and then I need to change them. I need to vary them up so that my body and my muscles don't get bored and so that my, my brain doesn't. But, I, but they stay rhythmic for usually about six months or so before I feel the urge to change them. And once you have a container with walls and structure and time allotted, I think you're going to notice that these rituals really take off. They become part of your landscape. And then you really just don't want to miss them. And instead of life getting in the way, your life will start to build around them. And the timings and the rituals will become non-negotiables. And the other parts of life will start to take a back seat. Twyla Tharp, um, a New York choreographer who I love, who's just kind of well known for her practice and her rituals and her creations, said this, skill gets imprinted through action. Skill gets imprinted through action. There is time for all of us to get lost in the lush and the sort of meandering pace that's essential, I believe, to a creative life. And I believe in that wandering. I do. But I also believe in stopwatches and checklists and in realistic and bite-sized goals that keep us healthy in body and in mind and in spirit. And I think that we can do both, and I think that we should do both. I ran into this quote. It was not attributed to any person, so I don't know who said it, but I love it. Before inspiration comes the slaughter. So if you're excited about any of this and you want to get started but you're not sure how, I suggest that you pick something to do daily for five minutes. And if you need some suggestions for that, Here's some. Sit on your porch in the sun every day for five minutes. Yoga, five minutes. Deep conscious breath, five minutes. Dance, five minutes. Cry, five minutes. Holler, go out and scream and holler, five minutes. Read poetry every day for five minutes. Do high kicks every day for five minutes. Blast loud music and just listen without multitasking or doing anything else for five minutes. So pick one thing from that list or from your own list or something that feels really exciting to you and install it. Go get it. Make it doable. Time it. Take good care of it. Generate it and give rise to it. And don't let anybody or anything stop you from it. Do it in front of your kids. Do it in front of your people. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't need to do it alone. And make a daily dose of good. It will help. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. 
Um, rate it, review it, share it. When you share it with your friends or if you share it on social media, it's super helpful to me um, to help spread the word. If you would like to become a patron of this podcast, you can do that. Um, the, there's information on the show notes to walk you through that. And then you get one practice episode per week to coincide with the stories. You get an embodiment episode. It's just a short little physical practice to kind of go along with it, but it's a really nice, sweet little thing to support both your physical body and uh, your spirit with this work. So take good care of yourself, of each other, and thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. Mm